welcome to the Reformed Dissenters. Thank you so much for watching us today or listening to us. We really, really appreciate it. My name is Bruce Johnson. I'm joined uh, in the lovely state of South Dakota with my good friend Joseph Lassiter. Hello. And we're joined by my brother Jacob Johnson in Maryland today. He's joining us from Maryland. So, all right. Welcome, Maryland audience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, if you want to share this show with as many people as you possibly can, which, by the way, we would really, really, really appreciate. I can add a few more reallys in there. But um, (laughs) go to our website, which is drdshow.net. Grab that link. Share with as many people as you can. That website has a list of links to all of the many platforms that we're on. And eventually, in the future, that website is going to have a whole lot of other features that we're working on. So, uh, a lot is in the works there. So, definitely check out our website website and uh, start sharing that with um, as many people as you can. You can email the show at trdshow at protonmail.com. That's where you can send comments, uh, links, research, anything you would like to send our way. We'd really love to hear from you. So if you could send us uh, an email or two, we would really appreciate that as well. If you're li- uh, if you're watching this on a video platform, please like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you are listening to this on a podcasting platform, follow it, hit the follow button or whatever that button is that lets us know that you are following us and if you could give us a five-star review we would really appreciate that as well all right our theme this month is what does it really mean to be salt and light in this dark world? And uh, we've kind of made a decision um, over the the past week. We've been looking at our scheduling, and we've actually decided to take this theme into February as well. So this is going to be for January and for February, and we're also going to be continuing with this book, um, which we're going to talk about later. Okay, what are we going to talk about today? The show breakdown is uh, we're going to start, as we always do, talking about the current events, what happened since the last episode, uh, a lot happened in the news, so we're going to be talking about some of those things. Um, and after we talk about that, we're going to move on to the Literature of the Month segment, which is uh, The Confessional County by Raymond Simmons, and uh, some very, very insightful and exciting stuff we're going to be talking about there. So definitely stick around for that. But before we get to all of those things, we have to talk about the verse of the week. And our verse this week is actually something that was brought up in the reading from last week. And um, we had it on our list actually before I saw it in the book, but uh, I saw it in the book last week and I was like, all right, we got to talk about this uh, next week. So our verse is uh, Luke 13, chapter 13, verses 18 through 19. Um, and uh, the verse is, he, which is Christ, said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. End quote. Um, so, this uh, there's a lot of ways that we can look at this verse and study this verse, but Christ is comparing the kingdom of God to a mustard seed, a tiny little grain that grows into a massive tree. And he's saying, you know, it became a tree that birds of the air made nests in its branches. It's huge, right? So this should be a verse of encouragement to us as Christians working to bring about God's kingdom on earth. This is encouraging. This should be encouraging to us, right? It starts small and it grows slowly over time into this massive tree that the birds make their nests in, right? Which means it's quite large, as can hold a lot of weight. It's massive, okay? So this is a verse of encouragement. Things that start slow, we don't see huge, huge progress, huge changes, but 
keep at it. Christ is encouraging us here to stick with it because it starts small, but it grows bigger. All right, so let's move into the current events uh, segment. And um, to kick things off, I think uh, we'll have Jake, as always, kick things off. So, uh, Jake, go for it. All righty. So, my he- I have two headlines uh, this week. And at the end of them, I will basically ask a question of Joe and Bruce, and they can kind of put in their input as to what they think, but I'm going to read through what I have written on these two headlines, uh, and then I'll stop at the end of each one and ask the question. So the first one, uh, keeping in with the theme that I did last week of uh, the uh, judicial system and talking about the Supreme Court, and this week we have a Supreme Court case, and here's the headline. Uh, Supreme Court rejects a bid to block mask mandate on airplanes. Wow. Uh, This was another court case, which goes back to the case that I talked about last week. And this is yet another letdown connected with the block of Biden's mandate. Mm. Uh, Through this mandate, I wanted to talk about how the government has has control over interstate commerce. So let me first go over... Um, what this case was about, and basically what this case was about was that, um, so inside of the Biden mandate, they stopped the the, uh, the vaccine mandate before, now they're talking about masks, mm. and so now they are um, talking about masks on planes, and so there was a bid or a, uh, a case that went into the Supreme Court, which was asking uh, to block the mask mandate on airplanes and airports. Hmm. However, the Supreme Court uh, rejects this, and the mask mandate is still allowed on a- airplanes and in airports. And this is because of the Interstate Commerce Clause. And this can be found in Article 1, Section 8, and Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution, which basically says that if anything crosses the border over into other states, the government has jurisdiction to control it. Wow. Uh, The federal government. And this shows how the government can, uh, and this shows why the government can do this and make this mandate on airplanes because those airplanes are passing over borders of states and so now they can put a mandate on that Mm. so my question here to bruce and joe is do you think even though it's in the constitution and allowed for the government do you think this uh article is biblical Mm. that's a really good question um joe do you have any takes on that before i Um, I don't think it's biblical for the simple fact that this really isn't a, a problem of justice. It's a problem Mm. of the, what the, so the, the government is saying is safety. It's a safety issue, not a, not a justice issue. And if we look at the biblical version of the, of the civil magistrate, the civil magistrate is supposed to be dealing with justice, not safety. Yeah. 
that that's the bottom line in my opinion yeah um and i would definitely i tend to agree with you for sure um yeah and and i think what we need to do is we need to study the relationship between the israel as a whole and the the overarching you know government civil government on on the top and then the the individual um uh clans that were within israel um and the the 12 tribes of judah those those breakdowns we need to study those relationships to really understand what that looks like um because i mean as we're going to read later in the in the book you know israel was an approved example for how judicial system should be you know should function so we should we should definitely look into some of those things so yeah but um so as with joe i would tend to be a little leery of actually accepting that sort of a thing because i i definitely don't think that they should be involved in very much past justice i think you can you know civil government is justice has a crime been committed no then stay out of it don't get involved until a crime has been committed so yeah yeah so moving into my second article, uh, the headline goes, Supreme Court deals another procedural setback to opponents of Texas abortion law. Uh, another case took place this week, which uh, was won the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court allows Texas's abortion ban to stay, uh, which is a good thing, yet a little odd knowing who these justices are and how they work. So I think the question here that I'm going to ask Bruce and Joe is, what do you think their game is with this? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Joe, you want to go first? I'm trying to speed my uh, yeah, yeah, thought yeah, process up. What, what, what are you, um, what, what's the entire question? I mean, you have the, the one question of what do you think we're doing? What, what's the question before the question? Or the statement before the question. Yeah, just reiterate that real quick, Jake. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so um, this this kind of like this uh, stopping of... So there was the, the Texas law that basically banned abortion. And now the Supreme Court basically lets that stay in play and doesn't, doesn't stop it. And so it's, it's a little... What I'm saying is that it's a little odd, seeing as how how the Supreme Court has gone before and um, done all these mm. other decisions, which seem kind of good, yet there's some underlying things that are not so good. Yeah. And I think it's a little odd for this to seem overly good on the top. I don't necessarily know. I haven't dug in as deep into this one, but... Uh, what what is their game with this? Like, what do you think that they're just playing this to look like a good thing, or do they actually think it's a good thing? Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember exactly the parliamentary procedure for how to get the the judges on 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 the supreme the Supreme Court, right? Right. I'm yeah, tr- I'm trying to remember the pr- the procedure for that. Yeah. But I do think that because we're coming real close to an election, I mean j- uh, in June we have our primary election. Right. So uh, they I, I judges I mean I th- are on the bench I think for life. Uh-huh. Uh, but but um it could be one of those things that they're trying to play a hand 
and they're trying to help DC look like they're being really good or yeah. or I I think they're trying to play play safe and, and ultimately have a bigger better strategy in the end we're going to be like oh this is what we're doing now yeah. but once we can have a a good hand we can lay our cards down and mm. then take all the poker chips if you will yeah I, you know, I think what I'm, what I've been learning about um, <laughs> Supreme Court in the past, you know, year um, or, or or less, has has been a lot of it is is politics, right? There's there's a lot of just, oh, okay, we are gonna do this bill because if we do this bill, then this bill doesn't actually end up going forward, um, and it gets cut out, and this one would have been better. So now they're like, okay, we'll go with the lesser two evils, and we'll go up from their perspective. They'll go with this one because it's less powerful, right? So, um, so I would be interested to actually look into the bill. Was this a recent bill that was done this week, Jake? That was passed this yeah. week in the Supreme yeah. Court. Yeah, it was. It was quite recent. I don't know if it was exactly this week, but um, it was very recent. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So I would be interested to see what other factors are at play. And then also what, um, you know, what's actually included in, in this bill that was passed um, and what does it actually allow us to do? Um, I think you're, you're saying from a Supreme Court level, it kind of, it allows Texas to continue doing what it's been doing, right? Right. Which right. is interesting. You know, I think part of that actually plays into what I've heard is California is using that same precedent that Texas set, which is, you know, they they made it a law, but then they also said well, the big, the new, you know, uh, earth shattering, ground shaking part of that bill was, hey, now if you hear of someone who has murdered their baby, you get to sue them for that now. So they put the, the power in the people's hands essentially in Texas for that, right? But but what I've heard is in California, they're using that same precedent to go after people who own guns. So, you know, if you own guns, I think Joe was actually the one talking to me about this I before. think so. But if, if you own guns in California now, you can sue that person as if they were murdering their baby and go after them that way. So part of me wonders if, oh, are they upholding this on the Supreme Court level because they know that eventually this is also going to come from California, the same sort of thing, and they're going to set this precedent so that now they can say, okay, you know, it's okay for Texas to do this about baby murder. murder. Now it's also okay for California to do this about gun ownership. Mm. So yeah. I'd be curious yeah. to yeah. see how so, that plays in. So it wasn't actually exactly an upholding of this law by the okay. supreme court it just was a a blocking of not letting this case and not letting people bring this to the supreme court so the the law is put in place mm. and people have been trying to bring come to the supreme court saying hey stop this law it seems unconstitutional but the supreme court won't won't uh make a decision on it so they're kind of so they're not uh, deciding with it, but they're also not deciding against it. So they're letting it stand. Gotcha. And so I think that's what's kind of making it seem like, oh, they're they're kind of for it because they're not stopping it or putting it down or any way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, all very good things to um, think about and consider. Um, and I'd love to spend maybe in a future episode, um, we could delve into some of those court decisions a little bit more too, which I think would be really cool. There's, there's just so much to unpack, you know, and there's, you have to know a lot, not just about the bill itself, but also the surrounding bills in the surrounding states. You know, um, I think we were talking about uh, some bills that are happening in South Dakota and those sorts of deals um, that you know, we're not really going to talk about yet on the air. Maybe later we will. Um, but you just really have to be aware of what's happening around and what's happening with, with different bills in different states because some of them play off each other. Um, so it, it can get complicated really quickly. So Politics yeah. is very interesting. It is. And that's why some people like to stay in politics. Yeah. Like I'm not going to mention some certain names, but I think the reason why they like to – stay in politics is because they know how to play the game and they mm. know how to push their yeah. agenda. Yeah. Again, no names. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Jake, for, uh, for bringing those up, uh, mentioning those. That's really good to, to consider. And, um, if, and we'll share those resources, of course. And um, if anybody listening, anybody in the audience wants to check those out and uh, give us some uh, dissenting opinions, <laughs> differing opinions on those, we'd, we'd love to hear from you um, and fill us in a little bit on what your thought process is on some of those things. I like that term. Dissenting. Dissenting yeah, we should opinion. make like a show title out of that or something. I don't know. It's cool. It's a cool concept. Um, all right. Cool. We have about 10 minutes left for our news segment. So, Joe, oh. I'm going to have you go. Okay. And um, I only have two really small articles that I just want to go through really quickly. So, I'll have you go. Okay. And, um, and then I'll just take whatever time is left. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I prepared for a bit longer. So, no worries. Anyway, go for it. It'll um, be a little over. It's fine. A couple, that's two... Two articles kind of I've put into one article type a deal. And the first article is about how Virginia asked the court to toss the lawsuit challenging the ban of school mask mandates. Mm. And this is the, the mask mandates that are so the, the also the other article's name is Virginia's new GOP governor ends vaccine mandates for a state employees and mask mandates in schools yeah so i heard he did yeah that's uh glenn youngkin right yes glenn youngkin he put in a lot of stuff his first day in office yeah like 11 um signed 11 things Um, yeah i don't remember what they were anyway so what what virginia's uh attorney general is trying to do is he has asked the court to dismiss the lawsuit Oh, wait, uh, yeah, to dismiss a lawsuit brought against Governor Glenn Young- Youngkin's yep, yep. Youngkin. Uh, executive order on banning um, s- school mask mandates. So apparently there is a, um, a lawsuit against Glenn Youngkin's because he believes in um, the personal freedom, family freedom of you – do what you want to do. If you want to mm. wear a mask, if you believe wearing a mask is safe or is what yeah. you want to do, giving the people back their power. Right. And, and um, yeah. Um, so there, yeah. So it's pretty much one of those things that there's a lawsuit going on and they're trying to get rid of this lawsuit. Wow. So that's interesting to see in Virginia that there's, a lawsuit trying to get people to wear a mask, make a mask mandate again. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't doubt it. 
Anyway, um, moving on. I have two COVID-related things. Surprise, mm. I haven't done COVID recently. <laughs> I don't remember anyway. Um, there are a lot sometimes of... Sometimes there's just so much COVID stuff we try to <laughs> ignore. You know, like go around it. It's uh-huh. like, all right. You know, sometimes it's like, this is a distraction, shiny object, COVID over here while they're doing all the other stuff with mm-hmm. their other hands. So we try to look at some of this other stuff and get away from the shiny object, but sometimes you can't ignore the shiny object. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> stu- um, studies have found that there are natural treatments for coronavirus. Um, and mm. I didn't list all, so those, all the things on here, but I accidentally deleted a couple of things. Oops. Oh. <laughs> um, but one of the things that, that I can actually remember and that I actually have on here is li- uh, licorice root. Licorice oh, root wow. has been shown to exhibit uh, potent inhibitory activity against the SARS coronavirus re- uh, replication. Wow. This is also more effective during the early stages of the uh, COVID coronavirus wow. replication so it's licorice root it's huh. interesting to think think a natural thing a a a, a plant out of the earth yeah, can actually ha- happen what? when if you think about it that's how we got into modern medicine mm. it was a bunch of plants taken in and into a science lab and it was like oh how can we make this a medicine how can we make it just a medicine and then yeah. it's just evolved after that mm. and, and then it's kind of funny just to think back okay let's go back to the natural stuff the stuff before medicine right and, and go to herbs yeah. and herbs is actually helping unlike yeah. the the yeah. Pfizer vitamin, D, vitamin C zinc yeah the yeah. Pfizer vaccine which the creator has said it doesn't work yeah yeah so it's it's crazy to think that Yep. natural um, herbs and stuff is... God-given stuff actually works. How about mm-hmm. that? Stuff that God created. Weird. S- looks like we actually have a creator who knows what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, right. right. Who would have right? thought? <laughs> <laughs> no matter how much you want to deny it. Yep. And I, I mean, vaccines work that way anyways. They're supposed to give you a small little bit of yeah. the virus so in order develop. for your body to yep. create its own antibodies and yep. again our body was created by god geniusly created in order to fight off viruses yeah mm-hmm. so natural immunity is better than well a vaccine sort of gives you natural immunity however this vaccine doesn't no but <laughs> no. um vaccines typically give you natural immunity which yeah that's that's the best thing out there yep mm-hmm. yep one last one last news article that I really really had to just jump on, and it was Israel, one of the most vaccinated uh, <laughs> countries yes. in the world, sets new COVID nineteen case record. Wow! Uh, I just wow. had to because it was yeah. the headline. <laughs> anyway, um, so the, yeah, the um, the Israeli Ministry of Health announced this week. I think it was the beginning of this week. I, I forgot to grab the um, date when this was posted. Mm. But more than 72,000 people tested for the CCP um, virus. Wow. The and lo- for those of you who don't know, CCP, they're talking about the Chinese Communist Party. I love the Epoch Times. Does it, didn't mean to interrupt, Joe. I'm sorry. <laughs> just giving some disclaimer. The, mm-hmm. the Epoch Times says it like it is, just like 
Yeah, on some levels, just like Trump did for a little while. You know, CCP virus, Chinese Communist Party virus, was created by the CCP. They were directly involved, and large. That's probably why we have this virus that we have. So, so pretty much the translation is is CCP is coronavirus. Yep. COVID nineteen. CCP is Chinese Communist Party, but the CCP virus is coronavirus. Yes. All right. COVID nineteen. Yes. The largest raise in infections since the start of the pandemic. That the 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 seventy two thousand people testing positive wow. is the the largest raise. That's crazy. It is. It's so crazy. How about that? And, and according to this article as well, the total active cases in the country rose to nearly four hundred thousand people. Sheesh. Of whom, in the most vaccinated country on earth, and of whom. <laughs> Get this number. 533 are currently still hospitalized wow. due to critical conditions. Wow. That is crazy. It, it, yep. it's, it's crazy. And the and this is the lead. Uh, let's see. Israel is one of the highest COVID-19 vaccination rates, has mm. one of the highest vaccination rates in the wow. world with already nearly half its citizens having received three shots, three shots, and is leading the world in a new daily case per capita. Wow. According to January 20th data. Crazy. Which was like three days ago. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Yep. I, I thought this vaccine was supposed to keep us from getting the, right. the virus. Yep. Um, What happened to it <laughs> not yeah. I thought it was supposed to protect us. Yeah. It's crazy. I really thought the government did know that yeah, what the best thing wait, was for simple, my body. Yeah, I right. mean <laughs> yes. yep. Nope, I guess not. <laughs> How about that? Cool. Uh, all right, else? that's the that's the end of that's the conclusion of I don't know how you want to say it. Conclusion <laughs> end. That that's my report cool. of the week. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. Appreciate it. All right, I have one minute, so here I go. <laughs> I'm Let's kidding. go fast. I'm going to take two extra minutes, so I'll do it in three minutes. Here we go. Um, these are really short. Just want to bring out a few things. Just thought it was kind of interesting. To be honest, I focused more on the literature this this week because there was a lot Good there. Job. So, yeah. All right. Uh, but these were kind of cool. Truck drivers protest against trucker vaccine rule at Canada and U.S. border. This was really neat. Um on January 15th, Canada passed some sort of bill that says only fully vaxxed truck drivers can enter the country. Um, and there were stipulations and all sorts of garbage about that. What? Um, so that was January 15th. And then on January 17th, a large group of truckers circled the highways around Highway 75. Also on they, – they were also on Highway 75, but Highway 75 and the surrounding highways – um, and that's Emerson, uh, Manitoba, that's near the U.S.-Canadian border, um, holding sa- holding signs that, among other things, said, my body, my choice. So really? Stealing that uh, 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 untrue narrative that uh, from from the the murder the the you know baby murder people stealing that narrative back and you know hey this is my body. You don't get to inject whatever you want into it. I love how we can take a slogan from yeah. the opposing side and then turn it around, flip <laughs> right. it on them. Hey, what especially, about this? <laughs> especially since they're yeah. one of the main ones who want us to everybody to get mm, vaccinated. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a poll. I think over fifty percent of Democrats want um, 
unvaxxed unvaccinated people to be under house arrest and then they said i think it was like 48 percent of them wanted them to be arrested ouch (laughs) yeah yeah it's insane uh which is a huge majority of people who are democrats anyways that's kind of off topic um the uh protest uh affected travel both north and south mound and uh the royal canadian mounted police were on site direct directing traffic so it was that big that they had to be there so It's really interesting. I thought that was really, really fascinating. Uh, Okay, so my second article, Ashley Babbitt. And uh, this is from the January 6th um, thing that happened last year. Um, For those of you who don't know, somehow you you don't know, Ashley Babbitt was uh, the person who was murdered by the Capitol Police um, for no reason. Um, and, uh, so that was last year, 2021, January 6th. Um, Ashley Babbitt tried to stop attack on Capitol speakers lobby video shows. This article, uh, contains alternative perspectives from recent video and audio footage analysis. Um, also a journalist who was a few feet from Babbitt when she was murdered and, uh, some insights from her husband, which, you know, interesting. I mean, obviously biased, but um, it's just, you know, good to get his statement and see what he says too. Um, Taylor Hansen, the independent journalist, says that Babbitt tried to stop protesters from harming cops and breaking things on multiple occasions. And there was a lot there. There's um, uh, Taylor Hansen gave his um, uh, recollection story of what happened, um, backed up by photo evidence, video evidence, audio footage. So, um, it's worth reading through. There was just a lot in there that I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't get through everything, but I did want to bring this to your attention. I would highly recommend you go and you look at this article, um, because it's, it's really fascinating. Um, because I, I think it's important that we are, um, in the loop of what's going on and that we know the real facts of what actually happened that day. Um, so that, uh, we can always give an answer. So, um, cool. Anything else that you guys wanted to add before we moved on to our literature segment? All right, cool. Awesome. Well, look at that. We're only four minutes over. That ain't bad. Now, if we can, uh, keep this uh, a little shorter, we'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. So literature of the month, um, as a reminder this month, our literature is the confessional County by Raymond Simmons. This week we read chapters five and six. So continuing with our, um, new uh, format that we started last week, we're just going to go through the questions and, and we're kind of, we're actually going to be modifying this even a little bit more in the future, but, um, we're going to use this, the questions as kind of a way to section off parts of what we want to talk about, but then I'm just going to read through some bullet points about what the chapters we're talking about and then open up the floor for Jake and Joe to offer their opinions, perspectives, and, uh, additional facts and things that they found in the book. So, um, so first segment, what did we find most interesting about the chapters? Um, my first bullet point is in chapter five, Simmons talked extensively about comprehensive Christianity. So that's, that's kind of the theme for chapter five was comprehensive Christianity. And then at the end of chapter five, uh, he quoted Cornelius Van Til, and I really wanted to pull out that quote because I, I think it defines, um, really conveys quite nicely what comprehensive Christianity means and what Simmons is is talking about when he says that. So uh, the quote from Van Til is, With Kuiper, I believe that unless we press the crown rights of our king, capital K, in every realm, we shall not long retain them in any realm. 
Um, was there anything you guys wanted to mention about that before we moved on to the next bullet point? Mm-mm. Okay, so Raymond Simmons generally outlined uh, society as a group of people comp- uh, that's comprised of three offices. We've talked about this in the past. We've talked about you know individual, family, church, and government, uh, civil government, right? They're all governments, but uh, civ- uh, individual government, family government, church government, and civil government. So he's talking about the family, church, and state here. Um, but he said that that's, uh, society is a group of people who are um, within those offices. And he said that these, are, these three offices are complementary and interdependent. Anything you guys want to add to that? Yeah. Jake. So I, I uh, picked out a quote here um, from Mr. Simmons on Ooh, this cool. topic. And the quote is, uh, Christ ordained three social institutions, the family, the church, and the state. And these three institutions are complementary hmm. and independent, as we've said. <laughs> yep. The church brings the gracious word of God that transforms souls. It maintains righteousness by church discipline. It counsels the state on ethics. The state punishes evil and rewards good while protecting the family, church, and family. Uh, end quote. And uh, I just wanted to talk about this a little bit because I found it interesting because we were just talking about this when we studied uh, God and Government by Gary DeMar. Hmm. And I think uh, something to note is that that phrase there, as Bruce mentioned, these three institutions are complementary and interdependent. Hmm. And so if one of these societal institutions falls, or fails to do its job, then the rest are brought down with it. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Jake. Oh, Going go ahead, Joe. Along with what Jake was saying, that kind of goes into the, the, the points that I, I specifically dove into for this question was, the biggest problem is the civil, civil magistrate not fulfilling the kingdom of God. It was in, in the book. Um, it, it's one of those things we have to look at it from a point of view that the civil magistrate is supposed to be the sword. We were talking about that in yeah. the in the um, bear the news, sword of justice. Yeah, the news article as well, or one of Jake's news articles. the The civil government is supposed to be bearing the sword, not safety, not all these other different things. It's mm. for bearing the yeah. sword, yeah, and holding people accountable to God's word, and. Uh, later on in in the books as well, uh, another thing that I wanted to mention is we need to focus on the church and the family government more than the civil government because the civil government should be coming out of the church and the family government. That's an interesting perspective. That, that's what I gathered from there. Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. So yeah. it, it's well, one of those we'll things. We'll definitely be chatting about that. For sure. In, in the next point. But yeah. the, the quote that I, I pulled specifically for this um, section was on page 49 where it says we categorize the civil magistrate as a long-term project and we need to focus as a long-term project and focus on the church and family 
today. Yeah. He was giving that as an example of what the church is doing, which is unfortunate. They keep putting, pushing the civil government off and saying, oh, we'll get to it later. Oh, we'll mm-hmm. get to it later. Oh, when Christ comes back, that's when the civil government will finally be under his reign. Um, but what he was saying there was, no, we need to stop pushing that off and we need to start doing it today. And actually, that's my next point. Um, given that society is comprised of those three offices and biblically speaking, our goal is to bring all of society comprehensively under Christ. We should be calling all three offices for including the individual, which mm-hmm. I think all Christians agree that, that the individual needs to be under Christ, right? Comprehensively. Uh, and comprehensively, by the way, means every aspect of your life, every aspect of society, everything you do needs to be under Christ, right? Um, we need to be calling all three offices to confess Christ. On page 49... Mm -hmm. which is what you were just talking about. Simmons talks about how recent generations of Christians have lost this perspective. And instead they choose to simply focus on the church, family, and individual. And they just leave the the civil government out of it. They say, ah, it's a future event. We'll get to that. Oh, when Christ comes back, he'll take care of it. So we don't need to do anything until then, which is not (laughs) the uh, position of scripture. Um, He gave the example of a, of a plane propeller with three blades, which oh, are all meant to be the same length, right? Which was which was interesting. When one blade is longer, when one blade is doing more than it should be, and the other blades are shorter because they're doing less, since the other blade is doing what they're supposed to be doing, it's all out of whack. The whole thing just wobbles, and it, it doesn't fly right, right? Um, it, it, it can be a challenge. I mean, yeah. Um, in Civil Air Patrol, we, we flew Cessna, so I kind of had a little bit of uh, uh, knowledge on that aspect. And yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, So a key concept that Simmons introduced in chapter five was that our goal should be to follow all God's commands in all of society. He listed Joshua 11 as an example of this on page 50. Um, And his quote was, Joshua did all that was commanded of him. That's Joshua 11, verse 15. And he took the whole land, Joshua 11, verses 23, uh, or verse 23, end quote. He talked about how land curses are the results of us either dropping a few of God's commands or dropping them all in a particular part of society, i.e., for example, largely the civil government in today's world. But historically, it's been in lots of different areas previously, like um, in previous generations, the church has way overstepped its bounds and it's been in charge of all of the the, the justice of division that's been given instead to the um, to the civil government. We got church states and those sorts of things. So that was an example of the church stepping out of its bounds. Well, now the church has shrunk back and it's doing hardly any, it's not, it's hardly doing anything right now. And the civil government is in every single area. So Jake it's, did, or Joe, did you guys have anything you wanted to add to that? It seems like we're on a teeter totter. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> pendulum. Too much or not enough. Too much or not enough. It, there's never yeah. that perfect line. Yeah. I mean that, that's, has been something that I've recently been seeing and been uh, heard about is that when without God, we, us as humans like to go to extremes and that's, Mm. that's sort of like what's going on. We've been going too far in one direction when men seem to be taking too much power and seem to be abusing women we go the entire opposite direction and create feminism. Mm, and so yeah. it's we see that a lot in our culture, how um, if we're at one extreme, instead of trying to come somewhere in the middle, we go to the other extreme. Mm. And and that's yeah. a sign of us not having biblical uh, a biblical culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Excellent point. History just repeats itself. Yeah. Because <laughs> we can't yeah. learn. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, on page 51, Raymond Simmons adds a third point to his previous statement and explains that God is not just looking for cold-hearted compliance to his law. He quotes Deuteronomy 30, uh, verse 10, which says that God wants us to obey him with all of our heart and soul. Uh, my last point, this bullet point segues into an important topic that I think we should always strive to remember. We need to preserve with love, like we were discussing on the show last week, right? Like our, our verse last week was all about preserving with love, letting our words be gracious um, and making sure that we are, are not losing sight of that. Simmons on page 52 talks about how just after God gave his law to the nation of Israel, he instructed them to care for the widowed and fatherless. Simmons says, here's his quote, we would not naturally be thinking about love at critical times like this, but love is not an afterthought, according to God. Love is the prime mover, end quote. Did you guys have anything you wanted to add to that before I have my last point in this segment? All right. Um, cool. And that plays right in with what we were talking about, you know, last week, which is preserve with love. Don't lose sight of that. On page 53, he adds, uh, and this is his quote, in all of our planning, our evangelizing, our rebuking of bad civil magistrates, our educating our children and our fighting the ungodly culture in all of it. We must remember that love of God and love of our neighbor is the reason we do it. Only with love is Christianity truly comprehensive. End quote. So it's really important that we understand and remember that topic um, as we're doing all the things that, that we're doing to preserve. All right. Uh, moving on to the next segment. What did we find most surprising? Something we hadn't considered that way before. So we'd heard it. The way Simmons phrased it was differently than we might have heard it elsewhere. So um, my first bullet point is I thought it was really interesting how Simmons talked about the incongruencies in the ideologies of reformed believers who claim that societally comprehensive Christianity is not a present goal, but a future one. Simmons says that Reformed thinkers love to quote Kuiper and talk about comprehensive Christianity in their personal lives, families, and churches, which is all great. That's really good. But not society as a whole. They push that off into the distant future. He goes on to talk about how comprehensiveness is a present day requirement. And um, did you guys have anything you wanted to add to that point before I moved on? Not in that specific. Okay. Point. Nope. Um, so Simmons begins on page 55 to refute the idea that the church is the only office that should comprehensively follow God's word in the way that the nation of Israel did. So he's refuting that idea. He's saying that's not, that's not what the Bible's saying. The church is not the only office in society that should follow God's law as comprehensively as Israel did, the nation of Israel. He discusses how Israel was given as an example to all the nations around them for how they too should structure their societies. And that's Deuteronomy 4 verses 5 through 8. On page 55, Simmons states that, and here's his quote, just as all of Israel was required to comprehensively keep God's commands, so today our entire society, not just the church, must do likewise. End quote. And I'll throw in one more bullet point then we can Go discuss. Ahead. I really liked how Simmons spent some time discussing the fact that absolute perfection 
is not the goal we're reaching for. I think that this oh, was yes. this was really cool. The perfectionist uh, mentality, right? Um, he talked about how when people adopt, how often when people adopt perfectionist mentalities, they will either fail to start or fail to continue a project when the work left to complete looks difficult. And there's more I want to say on that topic, but before I do, I'll open up the, the oh, I'll open up the floor. <laughs> If I can use my words and my tongue properly. Um, did you guys have anything you wanted to add about perfectionism and that whole thing that he mentioned? I thought that was really cool. Okay. All right. Well, uh, a thing, it, it kind of goes in, yeah. along the, that lines, not directly, okay. but indirectly. Um, a thing that came into my mind was with the, the fact that we aren't supposed to be perfect, mm. but the other thing is, is there's a reason why God created fathers and um, to lead the family. And yet we can't be perfect at being fathers or perfect in leading our country. The, we are, the role of the father is to lead the family um, in a biblical way. Mm. So we might not be able to get to perfect, but it sure if we can, if our fathers would actually stand up and actually lead um, their families and lead their families biblically, that would help a lot of our problems that we have today with the um, unbiblicalness. Yeah, and, and I yeah. think I think also with if we were to have a lot of our fathers involved in their their fi- their families' lives, their child's lives maybe quit divorcing because they stopped liking a person. I don't yeah. know. But anyway, it, if you had the fathers involved with the child and even if the kids were going to their the said doctrination camps, the mm. fathers would be able to have more of a conversation with their child of, okay, yeah. this is wrong. Either we are definitely going to be talking about this over the dinner table or <laughs> – we need to pull them out of the school and actually homeschool them yeah. because I, I think that's one of the most important things is you, you eliminate the fathers. The father's like, oh, I don't have to be this responsible. Mm. It's kind of has created our, our chaos. A lot of issues have bubble up, bubbled up from that, yeah. And that's why I think we're at this point. And now we have to yeah. say, hey, we need to look at getting back to biblical mm. and – we don't have to be perfect, but we have to at least get back at to uh, try, work try and yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, that's a really interesting perspective. It's kind of neat that that sparked that idea. That's yeah, that's cool. I like it. Thank you, Joe, for bringing that. You're up. welcome. It's really good. Um, oh, sorry. Did you have more you wanted to add? No, I, I can oh, add okay. this at the end when you're when you. Oh, have okay, more cool. Points. Sounds good. And I got Something one else more. I say might spark something might, else you're thinking. <laughs> it might spark it to make it flow somewhere else. Cool. Flow All right. It. Sounds good. Um, so Simmons adds to this whole idea of perfectionism by saying, and here's his quote: "On on the way to perfection, we should have solidarity. In other words, society needs to be comprehensively under the sway of one Lord and King, capital K, under one law. And that's uh, he lists three passages here. Let's see: Exodus twelve forty nine, Leviticus twenty four twenty two, and Numbers fifteen twenty nine. End quote." Um, So Simmons also spent some time on page 56 discussing how the Christendom of the Puritans was not perfect, but it was comprehensively Christian. So I I thought that was really, really interesting, the way he tied in. And if if you have the book, uh, if you don't have the book, get the book. This is is one book you you really, really, really want to have. So please, if you don't have the book, 
get the book even if you don't think you're going to read it just get it anyways help support the author um have it on your shelf and maybe someday you'll pick it up again Hey, it's another book you can have on yourself. And right. I've seen some of these pastors or theologians have a ton of books <laughs> right. on that shelf, uh, on their shelves. Yeah, have bragging maybe, rights. Just be like, hey, I have Confessional County on my bookshelf. So I don't know what you guys got. But. May, maybe this is your book to start building that bookshelf. Right, right, right. Books, yep. books, No better shelves. time to start than now. Especially with all these electronic books going oh, online. Yeah. And they're able to wipe them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I literally just got a physical Bible. I just ordered a physical Bible on Amazon that is an ESV Bible. I have my my King James, uh, was that New King James down here? I was like, oh, I need an ESV Bible that's actually physical because I've just been using my app for years. So I'm like, they delete it from the app stores, you know? (laughs) Man, that would be like a perfect ad for like trying to sell the ESV Bible. By the way, we are sponsored by. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh. So, so your bookshelf may not be perfect, but perfection is not the goal. No, <laughs> Great segue, right? That would have been fantastic. All right, so, uh, so moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like I was saying, if you don't have the book, get the book. If you do have the book, go to page fifty-six. Just read through the bottom. I think it's the bottom of page fifty-six and the top of page fifty-seven, something like that. But where he's actually talking about the Puritans um, and their society, Christendom, that they actually worked towards building in early America. It was really, really interesting. Definitely highly recommend reading that segment. Okay, um, I've got three points left, and then we're on to our third segment. We might actually make some good time in this episode. Yay! How about that? All right. When I'm consciously aware of the time, it goes better than it did <laughs> if I wasn't. Um, okay, Simmons really brings this point home on page 57 when he talks about the way in which the promised land was conquered by Joshua. This was a huge topic. I I, I tried to boil this down, but again, this is another point at which I'm going to say, get the book, pick it up, turn to page 57, and just read that segment. It's really good to read um, about Joshua. In Joshua chapter 11, verse 23, it says that the whole land was taken and that they rested from war. But Joshua 13 verse 1 says, a large portion of the land was yet to be conquered, and the Canaanites were not fully driven out. And that was 18.3. So that's just showing that um, perfection. God said it was, this is good. He said, you, you know, written here is the whole land was taken, even though the whole land wasn't really taken, and we learn that later on, it was taken to a point at which the goals were being met and there was progress being made and God said that was good. Um, Jake, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? I feel like you've been I'm silent. Stepping over. <laughs> no. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I, I do have something to say and a bullet point to bring up, but okay. I'll, I'll wait until the end. The end. Okay. Sounds good. Um, all right. I've got two more and they're pretty quick. So page 58, um, it's just a quote from page 58 that I wanted to read off and I'll get through that kind of quickly. But uh, the quote is a really good quote. It talks about what um, this whole um, idea of Joshua capturing the whole land, right? Um, so it says, the Bible doesn't want us to be paralyzed by lack of perfection. Joshua's conquest of Canaan wasn't perfect, yet the land was considered by God and by the people to be conquered. Christ will do his work over time, but we should not delay comprehensive Christianity until the whole nation or world is converted, end quote. Um, Simmons wraps up chapter five by stating that the county level is the best place to start implementing comprehensive 
Christianity. And there ends my bullet points on chapter five. So anything else that you guys wanted to mention about chapter five, go for it. Jacob. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah. So um, Mr. Simmons brings up, this is not a direct quote. This is kind of a summary. Um, but Mr. Simmons brings up the point that a change in civil matters will not occur if we are just forming small communities hoping that the community will take care of itself mm. and eventually the civil government will go away. Yeah. Uh, and this is specifically in the area of an oppressive civil government. And at least this this form of tactics has not worked in the past. Yeah. And I don't uh, think it'll work in the future. Huguenots, I think, um, was what he but mentioned. It, it's basically saying that we can form our own little small group and then it's gonna sooner or later the government will just go away and Evaporate. we don't have to focus on that yeah and he's saying that that doesn't work it just gets worse and worse yeah yeah wow that's that's a really good point you know i saw that in the chapter and i i wasn't quite sure what to make of that i read through it a couple times and i was like huh maybe jake or joe will bring this up and we can talk about it because i i think that i thought that was really interesting i think he was talking about the the huguenots or something um and he was talking about how yeah they tried to create a community without creating the office of the civil government and it failed right so mm -hmm. yeah that that's a really good point and we need to understand that god created the four offices individual family church and this the state right civil government for reasons for specific reasons and without one of those I mean, obviously, without without the individual, there's nothing, right? Um, but you know, if you take away one of those governments, the whole thing starts to crumble, and that was a really good example of that. So cool, thank you, Jake. Thanks for bringing that up. I think it's also important. I mean, kind of going along with what Jake was saying, but I also think it's kind of important saying, hey, there is we do have a good government in this city, mm. but not that city. Let's go ahead and move over to that yes. city, and we're gonna and bring then, that up a little later and, too. Yeah. It's kind of has a, a. We were talking about that last week, I think, as well. Yeah. It, it kind of is goes hand in hand with our state today, South Dakota and California. <laughs> yeah, California yeah. is a big liberal state. Yeah. They just want to. They a lot of Californians have been coming to South Dakota, mm. but hopefully not the, turning it purple. <laughs> but with that being said, based on what we've been reading, yeah. escaping your hometown to come to a better mm. town isn't always the best and the brightest idea. Yeah. I'm so hoping that we can stand up and fight and keep South Dakota. Yeah. Well, um, like we were, you know, like we were talking about last week where we were talking about land curses, but then also alleviating those land curses. And we're about to talk about that in chapter six, mm -hmm. um, how to really alleviate those on a societal level, right? But but going to a place, a smaller county, a place that has uh, you have more of a chance of changing it, that's a good idea. That's a good thing. And we need to do more of that. And we were talking about that last week. You know, Go to these places, bolster them, and convert them on a smaller level. And then you'll have pockets all mm -hmm. over the place that start as little seeds, right? Here's where our verse comes into play. Starts as little seeds and grows into this massive movement, grows into this kingdom, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. And, and that's why, I, you know, that's why I left Pennsylvania and, and came here to South Dakota. It was a huge part of that, you know? Start small. Start grow a small seed. There's not... South Dakota is not nearly the largest state in the union, <laughs> right? But it is one of the most promising places for this kind of work. What I want to help people do, like yourself, you know, like, you know, rest of your family, like a lot of people in this area who want to help and, you know, convert this area and fix it. 
That's the one thing we need to make sure is it's actually getting done and not caving back like yes. the other states. Yes, because growing complacent. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Anything else you had, Jake? Nope. Okay. All right. All right. I had two oh, go ahead. on this. All right, let's do um, it. So since I, I had already made mention of the, the fathers, the role of the fathers, that kind of falls under the, the family government. I had two other points, and I kind of want to briefly talk about the church and the civil magistrate's jobs. The, the church's job is to uh, give the word, but it, its job isn't supposed to just give the word. It's supposed to be giving the word and the importance of the word and giving the word as a... And the and its true meaning, unlike some of these other big big churches that are allowing to have these gay people mm, or transgender yeah. transgender and gay <clears throat> kind of fights in the same category. But a lot of these churches that are starting to culturally accept different things, that's not what the church is supposed to be doing. It should be holding people accountable to the word of God. Yeah. And it should be helping to grow those Christians into becoming better Christians. So that's mm. just what the role of the church yeah. uh, that I came up with. So not came up with, kind of read and... Your perspective. My own perspective. Gotcha. Yes, yes. Very cool. And then the, the civil magistrate's job is to be, um, is to rule according to God. And that that is in the book. I can't remember. I'll, I'll get you okay, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's... Uh, Especially according to Romans 13, 1 through 4, the the government's job is to bear the sword. It's not mm. to be giving health care and welfare to the people. <laughs> it yeah. it's not supposed to be saying, Oh, are you healthy or not today? Right. Let's give you the jab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yep. the the civil magistrate is the judges. It's supposed mm. to be um giving justice. And when yeah. justice isn't being done it really shows that we are having a problem with our country and and to tie it all together really with if we had a good family government and a good church government the family government and the church government we would have people going into the civil government and we wouldn't have to worry about all those unbelievers and oh let's go woke this let's go woke that Mm. let's 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 start racism and and try to end racism Mm -hmm. um if we really had churches up and families up actually taken and, and trying to be that light, we would have a lot of Christians in the in the government today. Yes. Yeah. With that perspective. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, yeah. that's really, really good point. Yep. If, if our perspective was to actually get involved and if we understood the roles of each government and as Christians, we were prompted to actually start implementing those roles as God has declared that they should be, then yes, things would, would certainly improve. Indeed. <laughs> um, all right. Final third and final segment. What part of the reading do you think most applies to the theme of the month? And as always, I'll remind you what the theme is uh, this month and next month, February. Um, it's what does it really mean to be salt and light in this dark world? And um, so just to kick things off, chapter six, 
I thought was, uh, well, it is a little shorter than chapter five, but I think it had some really interesting perspectives on the importance of whole societies confessing their sin and trusting in God and his word. I thought that was really interesting. And that seemed to be kind of a central theme, central current throughout all of chapter six. Um, Simmons started off chapter six by sharing an event that happened in Ashland, Ohio in 2020. And I, I loved this. Um, it was a really, really interesting story to read through this. And this was um, the first and second page of, of chapter six. So grab the book and read the first and second page of chapter six. <laughs> this is a really fascinating story um, in Ashland, Ohio in 2020. This is very recent. Church leaders and official uh, local officials called the people to come and confess Christ through prayer and confession of their sins. Simmons hold this, holds this up as an example of what we need to be doing right now across America. So did you, either of you like want to mention anything about that or discuss that a bit? or I didn't have yeah, anything written. Yeah, so... Go ahead, Jake. Oh, yeah, so uh, I was I had uh, brought up a bullet point on this topic as well. Oh, nice. uh, the example of this county in Ohio. Uh, in the beginning of Chapter 6, as Bruce said, Mr. Simmons shows us an example of a county in Ohio which gave its land to God and asked for God's forgiveness for the entire county's mm. sins. Yeah. Uh, and my point for this was this should give us hope. That even in America, it is mm. possible to bring about uh, societal confessionalism. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Definitely. Um, and yeah, we, before we move on from this event, I did want to mention something that's going to come up a little bit later. But the important thing to note here is that there were heads from every government. And what I mean is family, church, and state. There were heads from each of those governments there representatively confessing their sins before God and making a covenant as a society before God. And that's really important. We need all the governments, family, church, state, and individual to uh, 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 comprehensively confess before God and, and covenantally join and say, we are going to follow God's word as a, as a society, as a county, right? Um, so I thought that was really, really fascinating. All right. Repeatedly throughout this chapter, Raymond Simmons uses the phrase social confessionalism, and we're going to be using that a lot as we go. He explains on page 62 that, and here's his quote, he takes the term social confessionalism from Reverend David Scott, who was, um, let's see, he lived from 1794 to 1871. Um, so Reverend Scott used the term social covenanting, which means about the same since we covenant by confession. Um, so, uh, end quote. So I, I thought that was really interesting, kind of determine, um, defining where he got that, that phrase from. So there was a lot he mentioned from Reverend Scott that comes up a lot. So I, I thought that was pretty cool to mention to, uh, his name. So, um, anything you guys want to add about that before we moved on that whole social confessionalism? Okay. Um, so the why behind, so here's the why behind social confessionalism. Why do it? 
Simmons says on page 63 that, here's his quote, a little bit of a longer quote here. <laughs> um, Social curses are caused by societal sins and are only removed by societal confession. Similar to personal salvation and sanctification, a society needs God's grace. This is why we see over and over again the concept of God being the God of a people and why we see people assembling and covenanting with God as a society, as a whole, right? He lists a ton of biblical examples here. I'm going to read through them for our podcast users. I'll try to get through them kind of quickly. So just, you know, pause it, slow it down so you can look these up. Exodus 19, 7 through 8, Leviticus 26, verse 42, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6, um, also chapter 12, verses 12 through 15, and chapter 29, verse 1, chapter 30, verse 19, and then also Joshua 1, 16, and then Joshua 24, verses 14 through 25. So there are a lot of examples there, so definitely look some of those up, and I'll have those on screen as part of this quote. Continuing with this quote, um, covenanting with God is the only way to find truth and mercy. Um, and then he quotes Psalm 25:10, which says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. End quote. That was a lot of stuff. <laughs> Did anybody want to add to that before I move on to my next point? All right, Jake, go ahead. Yeah, so I actually have this exact quote. Ah, uh, okay. That, like what you said. Uh, the quote of societal curses are caused by societal sins and are only removed by societal confession. Hmm. And this is an answer to the question in that, how are we to be salt and light? And this is how we are to be salt and light through the creation of societal confessionalism. Uh, so I just wanted to bring up that point. And yeah, that, that fits in what, what I was finding as well. And this whole chapter was about this societal confessionalism. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It's funny how we, you know, pick up some of the same quotes. <laughs> Definitely a good, uh, good point to bring up. Um, okay. So on page 64, Simmons says we should look at, uh, we should look to the good kings of Israel and we should also look to Joshua and Moses and also the prophets. So we have a lot of examples. We should look to all of these people as examples for how a society should respond to societal sins. These are all examples that God has given to us in the Old Testament. We need to look at these things and actually study them. Um, so they had a bit of a pattern. They actually, they called an assembly um, of all the people. They read through the terms of, the co of their covenant with God. And then, as Simmons says, they made their decision. So I thought that was really important to note. Okay, a little bit of a bigger point again, but uh, I think this will spark some conversations from you guys, um, and I'd really like to hear your take on this. On pages 65 and 66, Simmons talks about the same sort of thing we've been talking about for a little while now on the show, which is being a light to the nations around us. So all of this is kind of leading up to this point, right? Um, and this is why I put this particular set of things in this category, because... Um, it all kind of relates to how we should be salt and light in this dark world, right? So he talks about how when a nation follows God's commands, like Israel did for a time, they stand out to the nations around them. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 5 through 8 talks about this directly when it says, Keep them and do them, for what will be your wisdom 
Wait a minute. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. Who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Um, and that was Deuteronomy chapter four, verses five through eight, which is a really good passage to look at. So, um, so that's an example of us being, you know, Israel was a light to the nations around them, a beacon, a shining object, if you will, that stood out and the nations were like, whoa, what God do you worship? Right. So I thought that was really interesting. Did you guys have anything you wanted to add to that? Well, not really pertaining to the book itself, but kind of going, um, on one of the scripture readings we had in church today. Um, where we're going through the um, book of Daniel for a, a yeah a scripture read our yeah scripture reading and we we were on a Daniel chapter three today and with you you talking about being a light standing out and how everybody else was like okay who who do you worship it really reminded me of Shadrach Meshach and Benigo hmm. getting thrown in the fiery furnace. Yeah, and and then last week we also heard about how uh, Daniel told the dream. Told the dream yeah. was able to talk about that, and then yeah. Neb- Nebuchadnezzar, yep. right? Yep. Um, he was like, "What god Astounded. do you worship? Yeah, we need to worship him." So it's yeah. it's more than just the Israelites. It, it's yes. There's a lot and a lot and a lot of. Um, Examples. Examples yeah. of it all. Yeah. It, it's all there, throughout scripture. There's yep. a reason why there's the the saying interpret scripture with scripture. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, that was really mm-hmm. good to bring up. I was gonna bring that up and then I forgot about it. So I'm glad you <laughs> glad you remembered. Yeah, yeah. This uh reading through the book of Daniel is just wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think every time I read through it, there's um there's something new that I learn. All right, so uh, moving on to my next point, um, Simmons also brings up Joshua 24, verses 24 through 25, where the people made a public covenant with God to serve him and follow his commands. So I thought that was really, um, really cool to to bring up and mention. Um, Let's see, I've got two bullet points left. So I'm going to do one, and then we'll ask, and then we'll chat a little bit. And finally, we'll do the last one, and then you guys can give all your points. So finally... As comfort and encouragement to any group of people seeking to out or, or to return their county and land to God, Simmons talks about Ezra and Nehemiah. And this this was really, really interesting. I really like this. And this plays directly into the salt and light aspect of our theme. So this is really important to note. I thought this was cool. They both uh, they were both under heathen nations, but still brought pockets of the nations they were in to social confessionalism. Nehemiah 10 talks about the nation returning to God's law and making a social covenant to be a Christian people. The takeaway here is that even in a societally ungodly county or country like America, sorry, I meant to say country, there is still hope on smaller levels. Christians can begin reclaiming counties one at a time for Christ until the entire country is comprehensively Christian. So I thought that was really, really interesting and um, Jake, did you have anything you wanted to, to add to that or mention? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Go ahead. So um, this is this is a bullet point that I have as well. Uh, and what I was going to say is that there is through there there is hope for all Christians who wish to be salt and light. Hmm. Uh, even though we are in a dark world, 
we are still able to bring about change even when in the most unchristian of places. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. and I have a quote which shows my point. Uh, you may be wondering, uh, can we exercise societal confessionalism as demonstrated by Isaiah in our God-hating environment? Hmm. What about the political framework of the U.S. today? Well, Ezra and Nehemiah provide the answer by showing us that a smaller society, uh, as a smaller society, they found God's blessing through societal confessionalism. They, they did this even though they were under a heathen nation. And so I just wanted to bring that up, and this this gives up gives us hope. And not only did it happen during those times, and I, I wanted to show this example here, um, just and show the example of the Ohio County, in mm. that not only did these small uh, pockets of societal confessionalism in old times, but they're happening today, yes, and they're still we happening. can bring that in yes. even today. Nice. Yep. That's awesome. Thank you for bringing that up. Very cool. All right. Joe, anything to add before I go to my last point? No, go ahead and go to your last point, <laughs> and right. then I'll bring up my point. All right. All right. Just bring it up in the rear, right? Just <laughs> bring it up the rear. Unless, all right. yeah. Cool. So on, uh, on page 71... Simmons says, and here's his quote, a little bit of a bigger quote, but I thought this was really good. Um, we don't have to wait until the nation is openly supportive. That is good news because the Bible presents pockets of righteous societies as a way of kingdom realization more than an end. We can, like Ezra and Nehemiah's societies, go ahead and covenant as soon as possible. We don't even need permission. In fact, since Jesus now owns all nations and he is our mediator, we are in a better position today eschatologically than Ezra and Nehemiah were. However, we must remember that in every single case, these confessions were all of society and performed with the covenantal heads of all three institutions assenting. And that last part I really wanted to focus on. Well, the, the beginning and then the last bit. And the middle. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, all of it, right? Um, so so the, the last part I mentioned a little earlier, but I, I also wanted to bring that up again. Um, and Jake's filling me on in on the time. Thank you, Jake. It's my timekeeper. So everybody's my timekeeper today. Thank you all. <laughs> um, so uh, that, that last part talks about the all three covenantal heads, um, all three society, all three governments, right? The family, the church, and the civil government all had to be assenting to this. They all had to agree. They all had to come together institutionally on a societal level to to change these things. It can't just be one. It can't just be just the family. It can't just be the church. It has to be all three, family, church, and the civil government, in addition to the individual. I mean, it has to start on the individual level and then boil up from there. But we can't just stop at the church and the family. We need all the governmental institutions, all governments ordained by God to change and start affecting these things. So I thought that was really important. But also we should take comfort from the fact that we can start this today. We can start on a um, small level as a, a mustard seed that grows into a tree. We have the ability to start uh, uh, actually impacting these counties today. All right, Joe, bring us home. The, the the my point that I wanted to make, and this comes out of the the end of chapter five, and the thing that I think most applies to being the salt and light of the world, is that 
we need to not be afraid of failing. And I think mm, it kind of goes with perfectionist your, idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with, yeah. Well, with the last statement of we should actually be out going and doing things mm. as well. We need to worry. We need to not worry about failing. We really should be worrying about are we even being a light in Christ more than, oh no, are we going to fail at this? Mm, yeah. Because what yep. are we, we are essentially God's pawns. We, we are to go and make disciples of all men. Yeah. So we ourselves don't need to worry about being, are we going to do something wrong? Mm. We, we will be used by God to witness to other people. At least that's yeah. kind of what I, what I yeah. took. And that's awesome. So, Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very insightful. Awesome. All right, Jake, anything you want to add before we wrap things up? Nope. All right. So thank you everyone for listening to us or watching us today. We really appreciate it. Um, definitely don't forget to go to our website, share that link with as many people as you can help get the word out about the TRD show, uh, go to trdshow.net. That's trdshow.net. Grab that link, share it with all the people, you know, um, that has a list of links to all the platforms we're on. Like this video, subscribe to our channel, do all the things that let us know you enjoyed watching our content and, um, thank you so much. And, uh, yeah. Oh, also our email address, I have to say it. Uh, you can email the show at trdshow at protonmail.com. Send us some emails. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, until then, we will see you in the next episode. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord.